Hey everyone, I'm Josh. And I'm Dan. And you found your way to the Last Vestige podcast. Named after a music store we went to in college to dig through cheap and used CDs in search of new music, each episode will take a deep dive into an album front to back. We'll share our thoughts on the music and whatever other interesting stuff we can dig up on the album, the artist, or anything else we come up with. No music theory or music experience is necessary, and no recording or genre is off limits. So whether you're making your living as a musician or just looking for a conversation to put on in the background, we hope you'll find something here for you. What started as an excuse for Dan and I to call each other and geek out on music became an excuse for us to start a podcast. Welcome to Last Vestige. In the last festive podcast, we're looking at the album Metallica by the band Metallica, known to most as the Black Album. We get into a lot of changes within the group and talk about the group's history and the albums previous to this on the podcast, so I'm just going to throw it to pass me now. Take it away. I do think something we're going to have to say on the podcast a number of times in maybe every episode is like, these are our opinions. <laughs> um, you can disagree with them if you want. Please be nice about it. But like, if you like this album more than we do, or you don't like this album, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think part of what what's nice about, or what I like about entering into these conversations is, like, we all have our own thoughts on music. And it's, I find it interesting to hear the things that other people pick up on that I don't. And I find it, Yeah, I also really find it interesting, like the way that we dig into stuff. Um, I have found things in songs that I liked until I listened to it in this format. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's weird. God, right? that's annoying. I'm listening too closely <laughs> to it and it sounds terrible. Yep. It's our opinion. So yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. But also, like, at least we are digging into it it's true cool yeah so the black album um, or as it's called metallica yes this is the first metallica album apparently um no i i went through and did what you did and listened to i only listened to each preceding album once i don't yeah, know how same. much time you spent with each of them but so did a little bit of research along with my listening. Oh, um, that's just because I already like I wanted to clear up things that I already knew about Metallica, so I could kind of put timestamps on them. Oh yeah, that's because like fair. like I knew Cliff Burton was the bass player. I knew he died. I couldn't remember album wise where he fell in. Yeah, um, and so I kind of wanted that as some context. Uh, and then I also knew other things about the band's history. Like I knew Kirk Hammett took lessons from Satriani. That I didn't know. Which Kirk Hammett took lessons from Satriani early on, but I didn't know when. I didn't know if it was pre-Metallica, if it was like in the like in between albums. And so I wanted to mark that. Mm. Um, and then. 
I also knew Dave Mustaine of Megadeth, lead yep. singer and guitarist, was in Metallica. But I didn't know if he had recorded any albums with them or if that was early on. And so like those early kind of like shuffles in Metallica were what I wanted to note. So I did research on that front. The mainstays, Kirk Hammett, James Hetfield, and Lars Ulrich are the mainstays as far as recordings go. Yeah. Um, early shuffling of Metallica was really just like them trying to get off the ground. That was when they were just doing the club scene thing. James Newstead was the bass player on the on the Black album. Yeah. Um, and Injustice for All. Yeah, he was not bad for a good bit of it. Yeah. Yeah, he he's currently the I guess you'd say record holder for bass player on Metallica albums. Yeah. You want to go back to this album? <laughs> yeah. Do... A quick rundown before we get there. I did yeah. not like Kill 'Em All. I was not a fan of that album. I thought it was bad. Kill 'Em All. Oh yeah. So my my notes on Kill 'Em All because I have I feel like they're noteworthy. Yeah. I just said Kill 'Em All's not good. It's not very good. Um, it sounds like what it is. It's a few musicians who are talented in their own right, and they're playing songs written in parts by some of them and Dave Mustaine with heavy influence from their idols and no coherent direction or vision. Uh, the problem with the album, this isn't in my notes, but the problem is, mm. so they, they actually recorded in Rochester, New York. No shit. Um, they packed up all their stuff and drove to Rochester. And while they were there or on their way there, they played a gig in Jersey, among other gigs. And that was apparently the last straw with Mustaine because he had alcohol and drug problems and I guess was excessively violent. So they fired Mustaine like days before they were to start recording Kill 'em All. Oh, God. That's fun. Um, So they got up with Hammett on recommendation from some people. He was the former lead guitarist or maybe at the time lead guitarist of a band called Exodus. Um, mm, they brought yeah. him on to timestamp it. Kill 'em All was recorded in '83. Hammett started taking lessons with Satriani in '81. Okay. Um, so the talent was there, and Satriani's comments on Hammett were that he had been shredding long before taking lessons with him. <laughs> um, he had great he had great tone, like in his fingers, and he had he had the technical capability, but what Satch taught him was more the ability to play and shift within like key signatures and things like that. Okay. Um, like that very Satch theory kind of stuff. Yeah. So he took like your everyday shredder who like can play fast and like, yeah, he's got chops and he actually refined that ability. Nice. Um, apparently Satch is a really hard teacher to deal with. He's like, I'm going to give you stuff. You are to learn it in a week. You are to be serious about this. If you are not, if you do not go home, if you do not practice this and train with it, then you're wasting my time and you're wasting your own time. So he's a music teacher. <laughs> exactly. He's a, <laughs> yes, he's a music teacher. Um, apparently Hammett ate it up and worked great. So he got onto Metallica. And the thing is, a note that I have is Hammett's solos on Kill 'Em All sound disjointed. Okay. Uh, and that's, Mostly in part to the fact that 
the guy fronting the money for the album forced him to play Mustaine's solos. Oh, he had him learn Mustaine solos and play his solos. So and he's not so playing his own stuff. Hammett was either playing Mustaine's solo, but like cleaner, or he would play like the first couple bars of Mustang solo and then like hook way off hmm. into his own territory. But it like it sounds like he's choked off. It's like he'll play the Mustang bit and then I'll kind of like drone off onto his own direction and then I'll kind of be like, mm, no, I don't like that. Mm. Uh, it's like he's I, I put it's like he's struggling to get his footing. He slips and then he tries again. Yeah. I mean, the later solos and the later songs on the album kind of tighten up. Yeah. But it, it isn't. It's just it. Yeah. The beginning just sounds like speed. I I said this and I stand by it. The beginning of the album sounds like speed metal Mad Libs. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Where it's like, like they're playing speed metal, but yeah. like it's kind of all over the place. Some of the songs don't, they don't have the same direction throughout the whole song. They just abruptly change key and feel. And it's just kind of odd. Mm. And well, yeah, I wasn't there for it, but the album does have seek and destroy, which I feel like that song yeah. stands out from the rest of the album. It's kind of a Metallica staple. Like even looking at the track list, like that's one of the only ones. It's like still kind of a stable. Yeah. I thought Ride the Lightning was a great album. Ride the um, Lightning's good. The 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 title track is like the first time I felt like Hammett really got to play. Like the title track solo is is pretty beautiful after listening to Kill 'em All, really. <laughs> I was like, ooh, this like For this whom is the bell tolls. this is good. For whom the bell tolls is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um I really liked Call of Cthulhu. It's a good one. However they spell it when I was younger. Yep. Um it's a fun instrumental. Uh, probably a little long. A note that I have off of Ride the Lightning. Um mm. so for whom the bell tolls is like Metallica. I'll come back to this, but this was when I think like Metallica is at their best. When they're like a juggernaut just slugging away at the rhythm. Yeah. It's got that like lumbering, tight, heavy feel. Right. It's still thrashy though. Yeah, no, it is it is thrashy. I guess like when I say like I think of it like a I don't know. There's just it's everything is hitting at like just the right time to get this really powerful big feel yeah it, like yeah. thrash sometimes i get more like a like a speed feel but like there's this kind yeah. of dialed in heavy slug that even amidst the thrash metallica can dial in you know yeah, like their really own can. niche really really well-placed way yeah um but then after for whom the bell tolls we roll into fade to black which is clean, almost acoustic-y intro. And it's like, oh, these guys are pretty musical. Too. Yeah. But also the lyrics are like super depressing and introspective in a way where I was like, oh, this is the birth of Stained. <laughs> I was like, this is it. Oh, I didn't think about that. This is where our Ooh, future comes weird. from. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing is kind of that. Like going through Metallica's... 
Like that's kind of why I wanted to go through some of the early stuff for me because I realized I hadn't really ever sat down and just like listened. Like I had listened to a lot of like S and M or the Greatest Hits albums. Yeah. Not like I don't think I had ever just sat down and listened to Ride the Lightning straight through. You know, I hadn't. And so many people kind of like talk about how different, how much Metallica changed. The thing that I had heard somebody say is you either are a fan of Metallica from before the Black Album or you got into Metallica on the Black Album and they are two separate fan types. <laughs> I have heard that too and that's why like after after suggesting the Black Album I was like oh this could be really interesting. Yeah and I will say having gone back through the old stuff I get it. <laughs> yeah no it, I get where that it, I get comes that from. divide I do. So then, I mean, Ride the Lightning was good. Master of Puppets, you seem to really like. What were, like, feel-wise, just kind of a general overview, what were some things on Master of Puppets that really jumped out? I know they kind of wanted to get away from it, but, like, I think that Master of Puppets, all of the songs actually deserve the runtime that they have. Unlike some of this stuff, I don't feel like there's a lot of, like, fat that you could cut out of it. It goes to an extreme on End Justice for All, and those songs are too long. I agree. <laughs> I do agree um, with that. Master of Puppets were still kind of in the thrashy, like everything's a little faster than it is before we get to like Black Album. But they've come together a bit more. They're like recording a little better than on Ride the Lightning. But we're not in like every song is 10 minute plus Injustice for All level. Yeah. Um, those opening two are great. I said though, like, honestly, battery's kind of underrated. I can agree with that. It's it's got a really good, just hard charge to it. Yeah, I don't want to say battery's underrated because people that like Metallica like battery, but like, uh, like I don't know, battery kind of cuts through it a bit more for me. Yeah, was battery battery wasn't a single, was it? I didn't think it was. I don't think it was. One thing it on, opens with that really nice acoustic guitar thing. Yeah, yeah, that that was the thing between Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning. Um, I was like, oh, they have like this nice kind of acoustic-y intro that really shows off their just musical chops. Yeah. Hammett's rhythm is really downright impressive that he plays and sings some of that stuff um, i find his vocal stuff really impressive honestly like turns out that was something i noticed like listening kind of more closely to some of their stuff is like he does a lot of little vocal flourishes that are really good yeah he really does funny thing that i found out he didn't want to sing for metallica they were really they were trying to get um uh i forget his name now oh he was from armored saint i forget the the guy's name but he was the lead singer for a band named armored saint who was really big when metallica was coming up in the club scene and metallica wanted him to be their lead singer and he didn't want to leave his band for Metallica because at the time Metallica was known but they were like as known as other club scene metal bands they didn't they had no indication that they were going to be a breakout but this was the <laughs> same time that they were running with dave mustaine and might not have had cliff burton as their bass player yet because they ended up moving to san francisco 
to get Burton to be their bass player. That was like part of his deal. Or maybe it was San Diego. Okay. I think it was San Francisco. But yeah, they like saw Burton playing the the bass solo that he plays on I think it's on Ride the Lightning where they're like bass solo take one. Yeah. That is the solo that they saw him play live and they in in an interview the way they recounted it is like they saw they looked up there and Hetfield was like watching kind of befuddled and then lead, leaned over to Lars and he was like that's a bass. I had to count the strings. <laughs> that's a bass. And they were just like we need him. We need that guy. Yeah. So, the thing that stood out to me on like Master of Puppets is like it there are some songs on it that that are kind of sludgier than than on Ride the Lightning in a way where I listen to them and they almost remind me of like some of Alice in Chains more metal leaning stuff. Yeah. Like there are some solos Excellent. on there with the way that Hammett uses his wah that I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of like the the Man in the Box solo or stuff like that, which yeah. I know came after. Like, there are some nice influences there. I know Alice in Chains was pretty influenced by Metallica or inspired by Metallica um, in, in a lot of ways. a lot of sense. Yeah. But yeah, there's just, there are some kind of, kind of, sludgy bits on there that I liked from a, a like pre-grunge feel. Master of Puppets for me kind of hits like where like my Metallica preference is, I guess. <laughs> I can see that. I liked I liked the feel on Orion, especially like halfway through yeah. Orion, the just kind of the the key and and the arpeggio structuring and stuff in it is really like catchy in that kind of grungy way if that makes sense yeah totally um yeah master of puppets is a good album i was gonna say and then we moved into injustice for all which i felt like was like too long and just kind of a, a an eh album yeah like i like a lot of it but i I'm tired of all of the tracks before they end. <laughs> yes. Yep. So I do sort of get where they're coming from talking with Black Album about like wanting to just like kind of trim the fat. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was one of the things they talked about going into it a lot. It was like, we're not doing 10 minute songs again. <laughs> That's good. It's, yeah. I mean, 10-minute songs, they have their place in the world, but they're hard to make it through sometimes. They really are. I will say, I think Black Album has a lot of songs that overstay their welcome a little bit or could have gotten cut. I can agree with that. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm ready to move into at least start with album thoughts right now. So what were some of your full, like, overarching album thoughts on the Black Album? The remaster sounds really good. Yeah. The remaster sounds really good. I can't. Okay. They're not on Spotify. The non remastered tracks are not available. So I can't check. I have to look up which, what I listened to then. I listened to whatever iTunes gave me, which is like the most, it's like the worst thing an audiophile could say. 
I listened to whatever was given to me. I bet you, though, like, because of the way, like, it's, like I said, you cannot get the non-remaster on Spotify. No. I bet you it's the same thing. Well, but what's interesting is on iTunes, the previous four albums are actually mm. listed as the remasters. Yeah. Yeah, same here. But the black album was Usually not, but I'm sure ones. it is the remaster. I mean, oh, that's weird. what... The album itself stood out as sounding very clean. Um, yeah, it sounds it real was good. Recorded really well. The the effects that were put on things were done nicely. Yeah. When I was looking through stuff, I found demos for a bunch of songs that are up on YouTube, and those sound like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, they're rough. It's funny that that kind of brings me to like just a. As far as audio goes, um, I'll get there. But there's a point. There's a point on this album where I hear a solo, get, like, like it intros with just one guitar playing a part, and I was like, "Oh my god, that sounds really bad." Until <laughs> everything else comes in, and it reminds me, there's there's just kind of like a general music mentality, especially with guitar tones. It seems to be very prominent with guitar. Is like, it isn't about your guitar tone on its own sounding good it has to sound good in the mix and so sometimes your guitar tone on its own is going to sound horrendous but the way that it sits in the in the like the blend or in the eq sounds can sound much better now that's not yeah that doesn't mean that your guitar tone like is always going to sound atrocious but there are certain sounds that a guitar making all by itself without the support of a band, drums, bass, another guitar, etc., just doesn't, it sounds kind of grating. Yeah, I get that. It's the opening I... to of Wolf and Man. If the jun, jun, okay, jun yeah. of Wolf and Man, if that guitar tone sounded like that through the entire thing, it would be awful. It is very crunchy and a in a bad way yeah it's like nails on a chalkboard crunchy like it's fine that it hits like three or four times to intro the song but if if the bass didn't fill it up and you didn't have the drums come in at the same time like those those frequencies fill out that sound yeah so um so this album is weird too because like like I said, like this is the one that I knew. Yeah. And I listened to this album a lot when I was like 16. So I feel like a lot of my stuff kind of like harkens back to that. And it's very weird coming back to this album in fresh ears. <laughs> it's real weird. You've listened to it a lot me... of things since then. Yeah. And especially with like Enter Sandman, it took me like three goes to like actually give that track like a fair read. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I was being unfair to it, but like, how do you not know? Like you, everyone knows that song. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Everyone knows that song. It's every, it's not everywhere, but it's, I don't even want to say it's overplayed, but you've just heard it so much. Yeah. It's like, it's almost with a song that, you know, this closely, it's hard to listen to it and like, I guess, make reasonable notes on. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't actually have any notes on this one. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, the riff is good. Yeah, that's pretty much what I said. Like, it's a weighty song. It's got good. It's got good. Riff, it's got a good riff. Um, it that riff is like the riff for the song. Yeah. Yeah. It one thing that was really noticeable for me is it really definitively lacked the speed that we see in earlier Metallica stuff. Yes. That and it, it has heavily used vocal effects, which James yeah. Hetfield uses vocal effects like reverb or the occasional delay echo on his voice in earlier stuff. Um, and you can really start to see how he uses it almost in the way that you are just like, yeah, no, like I'm going to throw wah on a solo or something like that. He uses it as a, a reasonable tool. It's not, it doesn't feel gimmicky. It just feels, no, it feels like it, it fills the space nicely. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw out an opinion that people might hate me for. <laughs> I think the prayer break is dumb. I can get behind It doesn't that. do anything for that song. It adds 15 seconds that does, don't matter or however long. Yeah. And like the thing is like they come right back in and Hetfield has like incredible vocal inflection on the hush little baby. Mm -hmm. And like everything after that, I'm like, that's great. Why is this here? Like the more I listen to the song, the goofier it gets, <laughs> which is the worst thing for a song like that. Yeah, it's one of those things where like maybe in 91 it yeah was art like it was kind of artsy. And this yeah. uh, this album is a bit more into the world of like or into the land of like artistic metal. Yes. And Hatfield has we will get there. Hatfield has some things with religion for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, we by but... the end of the album we will get there. Yeah, but yeah, I I don't know. I probably liked it when I was younger, but I have not liked that break for a long time. Yeah, so it's I'm putting it out there. Me, it's unnecessary. Um, yeah, my my notes are that pretty much covers all my notes on our Sandman. Yeah. Um, okay, like so, sad but true. Mm -hmm. is a song where I am okay with them slowing down. Yep. Because that riff just rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it. I said Sad But True just punches you in the face right out of the gate. Yeah. Like, it's, it, is a, it really emphasizes this newer, what I, I kind of consider in context of Metallica's earlier albums, this newer emphasis on like grinding riffs instead of like yes. speedy riffs. I think this album overall is way more riff centric or riff heavy than previous albums. The riffs last yeah. the lifts the riffs last longer and I think they hit harder. Like the songs are more tightly wound around the riff whereas before you would have riffs but then you'd like move into a different tempoed, sometimes even different keyed section. And you may mm -hmm. or may not touch back on that riff. These songs feel built around the riffs in a much more rock centric way. Yeah. Almost to the point where like 
like I don't feel like Enter Sandman. Enter Sandman has the like chorus riff. The verse riff isn't. The verse riff is just kind of chugging. Yeah, it's just chugging. Not really, it's not really like a riff. No, and like that's kind of what they do on this album. It's like the chorus riff is huge. Yeah, and really good. Yep. But then, like the mid riff, the verse riff is okay. And I get that you have to get out of the way for the vocals. Like that's something. As somebody who likes to write riffs, that's a problem that I have sometimes. Where Matt's like, "Can I have a spot to sing now?" <laughs> yeah. You're like, I guess, I guess, man. This one thing that stood out on Sad But True to me, aside from the riff, is like, now, this is a thing that I, I will mention in some other tracks, but this is the first album, I think, that Metallica really, like, filled out the, the, the track with multiple guitar tracks. And I don't mean, like, multi, yeah. I don't mean, like, multi-tracking guitars. I mean, like, three four maybe on the unforgiven 17 guitar tracks <laughs> um where you get some really cool layering and so on sad but true in the chorus or maybe you'd call it the pre-chorus um there's like they fade the guitar in the lead and it almost sounds like a synth like yeah it's like i don't know if they're using an ebo or if they've just got like crazy, like three sustain pedals on it or something, but it sounds <laughs> awesome. Like it's faded way to the back, but it adds such a, like a kind of synthy ambiance to it. It's like a great, yeah. it's like a haunted house feel. It just, it just sits way in the back, like the beginning of a Christopher Nolan fade. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the drum hits on like the title words in the chorus mm -hmm. when like when he says sad but true and they are like hitting the drum in time with that. Just, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, the, the timing like so I guess on previous albums, Lars was obsessive about timing. He would record like hundreds and hundreds of takes. To the point where he would almost he would like Frankenstein together takes so that all the timing yeah. was just right. And I guess I guess on this album, Bob Rock convinced them to be a little less excessive in that way. And sometimes just like let the take be the take. Yeah. And yet still Lars's timing on things like that are just impeccable they're just great yeah and just the fact that they do it just like really throws that extra little punch in there yeah this is a um, band especially on this album this is a band that is really good at nuance there are just like just touches it's like it's the difference between a dish and a dish with some like a nice garnish one just Which sounds better. You wouldn't, if you had said when we started, like two weeks ago when we started this, I would be saying that Metallica is a band of like small, delicate touches. I'd be a little bit like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, but like it's true. 
there and i'll i'll get there like there are some tracks that there are just those delicate touches that stand out definitively um yeah but this album like those those touches i think another important thing to note is like a lot of the stuff that on this album makes it so listenable like so repetitively listenable can't be duplicated live yeah or it would be like you'd need a backing track or you'd yep. need more guitarists or or you just play it straight and you yeah. let it be because it's live is different than a repetitively listenable album and i think what's yeah, great sure. is these tracks can stand on their own without that aside from like one or two like what there's one that is it unforgiven Maybe it's unforgiven or or maybe it's nothing else matters. Um nothing else matters. The strings are so prevalent and nothing else matters that I like it's hard not to have some string accompaniment, but maybe they don't when they play it live without like an SM setting. That's actually very funny because apparently SM happened because in the OG mix the strings were super quiet. Hmm. And they felt bad about it so the guy who helped them with the strings on that is like the guy that they got to conduct SNM. <laughs> that's pretty awesome actually yeah he was like let me make it up to you i'll put strings on all your songs and they're like okay yeah. we can do that <laughs> what about all of this no but um, like the yeah the the production on that on that note or on that front is like pretty impressive this album is much more symphonic than other albums yeah another little touch that i really like in sad but true is the just full stop before the first solo Mm -hmm. like everything comes to like dead stop oh yeah and then they bring it back in with a guitar solo yeah it's great because it's just that pop 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 pause and then everything drops it's just yeah. it's really well orchestrated. It's great. Metallica was dropping the beat. Way <laughs> Lyrically, this one was really cool when I was younger, mm. and now I'm kind of like, really good. How old are you at this point? <laughs> I think this song actually lyrically encompasses a pretty steady theme in Metallica music, which is like, yeah, we're our own worst enemy. Yeah, and going into some of the stuff that we know about them later, yeah. Yeah, yep. Um, Addiction issues are a real thing. Yes, they are. I also... The song is like maybe one verse too long. I could see that. I could see that. Like, they kind of... Once they hit the guitar solo, I feel like they don't really have to keep going. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Also, just I found a demo. So this one they had a demo of. Okay. And it is, it's like three clicks of the metronome faster, like three to five. Hmm. It's not much, but you notice it. Mm -hmm. And I do kind of like it slightly faster. (laughs) I mean, they might play it live that way. That's like, I was going to say, it is kind of the difference of like playing live versus for a studio recording yeah 
Um, um, you got anything else on Sabbath True? I don't. But speaking of classic Metallica themes, I thought Holier Than Thou was a classic Metallica theme of giving the finger to authority. Um, yes. They're pretty anti-establishment aside from the record business. They're pretty, yep. they, they really like that establishment. Um, <laughs> but this song came off pretty quick comparatively. It, it kind of reminded me of older stuff. That's what I wrote too. Yeah, I said I like this riff that it's a bit faster. It feels closer to like some of the previous albums. Yeah, but it's not a bad song. Um, It's pretty straightforward. To me, nothing really stood out on it other than like it sounds like older stuff with the fat trims. I I like the guitar harmony that they get into right before the solo. Mm, That is good. Um, I agree. That was nice. Um, Hetfield describes this as one of the sillier songs that the band has made, which... That's kind of a funny way of describing it. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh... So I mean, I you do write down. some pretty dreary songs, so I guess calling True. Holier Than Thou silly. Um, so Bob Rock wanted this to be the album single. Okay. Um, like, I think it was pre... Enter Sandman and some of that stuff like really coming together. Okay. But he said that like literally Metallica will just like still call him up occasionally, be like really holier than thou. <laughs> uh, that, that one. That that's was the, the one, one you wanted. That's what you wanted to define our album, this song. But I mean, if you like, okay, lyrically, maybe it's silly, but if you want a song that up until this point defined Metallica that one isn't a yeah. isn't a bad option musically no yeah but, this one probably was one of the earlier ones that they wrote for this album yeah well, that makes sense i i couldn't find anything to like say that mm-hmm. like any interview that said like oh yeah we wrote that one first but like i would bet you yeah the, that timeline wise would make sense. How did you feel about the Unforgiven? So uh, I feel like the Unforgiven was that Metallica sat down and decided that they wanted to write a Western. Um, <laughs> not necessarily in a bad way, but like the intro is very much like I almost picture in the 90s them recording like a really grainy guy wearing a black duster rolls into a a desolate town kind of Mm. kind of imagery on a black horse because he would have to be in all black because the album um yeah but like the intro i think the acoustic intro shows some of their technically proficient strengths yeah another thing that i noticed in maybe it's just in the remaster but like especially in his kind of softer singing. I don't want to call it a falsetto, but it's his weak voice. James F- yeah. James Hetfield has a weak voice and a strong voice. And his weak yeah. voice, which is like when he's just trying to sing, almost sits a little back in the mix, so it it does. D- and it's so like it you don't I don't know if it's I I'm going to say this, but I don't really know if this is the full logic behind it. But it's so you don't notice that he's not a great singer. I've heard some of the demos and I would agree with that. (laughs) Like it's a really good touch because they bring him out when he 
when his voice gets a little deeper and throaty, he's got much better tonality. But yeah, he can really like that was the thing. He can really do some stuff. Yeah. Like he's but, got good pitch, but singing wise, yeah. like it's not until he gets into a, into his throat that you're like, oh, okay. Like he can really, really kind of belt a bit. Um, yeah, this is this. I, I marked a note. There are way more guitars tracked on this song than any Metallica song up to this point. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's catchy uh, a quick... and they put an acoustic strum in there that keeps a nice foundation towards the end. Like it's a standard thing in a lot of other music to just have one yeah. dude strum an acoustic just for like time and to add what I like to call jangle. Yeah. Like you just want the higher thing. string, like the, the, the jangle. Yeah. But yeah, it's bare. You buried in the mix. It adds a nice little accompaniment to the snare or to the, the, uh, the symbols, mm. the ride. And yeah, that's, no, like as far as a song, I think the Unforgiven is good. I think it broke good ground for them. Yeah, I, I okay. I this is one I feel bad kind of bagging on a little bit. Why? Because the song is about like struggling with religion after a parent's death. Yeah. Um, but I the lyrics to me almost feel like the robot chicken. What a twist! What a twist! Thing, like. I'm going to sing a bunch about an unhappy like kid and then an unhappy man. And turns out they're the same person. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, we saw that um, coming. Like you didn't. I don't, I don't know that Metallica, I don't like, I don't know that I like it when Metallica is trying to write deep stuff. <laughs> Understandable. I mean, it's, I would actually, I would, I would put blanket that over most metal bands actually. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. Not that you can't go into stuff in metal. No, I'm not saying that. No, but, but I get what you're saying. Um, and yeah, I mean, lyrically, it's not. I, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Also, I mean, you know this at this point. I guess I should say it for recording, but I don't love slower songs. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> You need to come up with like a good way of saying that. And that's like the intro yep. to your feedback on any slow song. Yeah. It's going to turn into a like, say the line Bart <laughs> kind of thing at a certain point. I feel like, like, yeah, I, I'm not saying like this one's fine. Yeah. But just in terms of songs that I like more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, uh, I thought it broke good ground from like a, I mean, I don't necessarily know that this was the first song like this that they recorded for this album. But on the album, yeah. I think like by taking it's not just layered guitars and it's not just they used an acoustic. Like there's more of a feel to it than that. Like I said it opens with kind of that like kind of a western feel. Yeah. And I think by no, by using a feel it helps. Like, you're not just like, oh, Metallica's trying to, like, write music now. You're like, oh, Metallica is, like, inspired by this sound. I like watching Clint Eastwood shoot bad guys. I kind of like yeah. this. Like, it's it's a nice, it softens the blow that Metallica is not just playing the music you loved anymore. Yeah. Um. Oh, to jump back, apparently Hetfield bass has singing off the song wicked game 
Really? Thought that was interesting. Yeah. I like that song. But yeah, even Yeah, I do too. And then Classic. apparently Kirk had like major problems with the solo in the studio. Really? Yeah. Interesting. He he pulled it the hell out. Oh yeah. Yeah, he did. Solo sounds great on the album, but apparently it took him a while to get there. Interesting. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting because I think it sounds good. Yeah. Uh wherever I may roam. Yeah, we moved this from song's good. the west to the east. This one this one rocks. It does. I really like the the opening. The the intro to the riff and then the kind of sludgy version and then just like coming in with everything. Guns ablazing. That works yeah. super well. Yeah. I um, this song to me, I was I just wrote like it's a great road juggernaut. Like it builds it to an awesome chorus that feels like it's an exposed engine just shooting flames. Yeah. Like it's uh, yeah. the song just makes me think like Mad Max imagery. Oh yeah, I mean that's definitely what they were going for. Yeah. Lyrically, they were talking about how they actually really like living like doing tours. That's cool. Yeah. Um, there's a, the demo for this one is very funny because they hadn't written the lyrics yet. <laughs> Ooh. Um, so it's a lot of Hetfield just singing. Nah, <laughs> that's funny. And like the, t- the tune is there. Yeah. You've got the tune. You just had to get but... something. And then occasionally one word will come through yeah. <laughs> and go like, how did you have that one word, man? He's like, I know I want to yell this word. I have no idea what the rest of the song is about. But at this point, I'm going to yell no one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about that one because I just, that's a good song. I said it was a notably positive song for them. Yeah. Like it's, it is, it is very confident in itself. Which is not yes. not so like a lot of their other stuff is exploring like suicide and mm-hmm. and death sentences. And this time they're just yeah. like, I am perfectly fine being a road warrior. Like that's what I do. Yep. Being um, on the road's fun. Yep. I noticed there were some really cool vocal touches. Like there's a a really nice fade in, like a like a reverse vocal that fades. Yeah. It comes after by myself, but not alone. Right as he goes to the, I ask no one, it's like a, that yeah. meets right with his delivery. And it builds in just this really just awesome way. It's yeah. those are the delicate touches. Um, it, it's true. It yeah. noticeably lacks speed where it could have had speed. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. The tempo changes are really well placed though. Yeah, they are. And this is this is one of those songs where it's like the Black Album is kind of a weird creature at this point because I can see I can see where they go from here. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. Yeah. But this one is good. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um like, the this did another one of those things where like everything goes quiet. Like the solo comes yeah. to like a crescendo and then everything drops out and it almost hits this like tense, exhausted exhale. Yeah. And then it launches again. 
It's just a good song. It's a good song. It's a good song. Um, okay. Don't Tread on Me took us back to America, literally. I looked this up because I was like, I know this. Yeah, I hate this. (laughs) I don't like it either. I don't. Um, they're either missing the point entirely of the song America or I don't know, but that's not the point of the song. The point of the song is that we kind of sell immigrants on this, like, you know, land of paradise and it's sure as hell not. And then they open up their big don't fuck with America song yeah. <laughs> with that. And you're like, mm, guess what, guys? Yep. And just uh, this song in general. It is. I know it's because I know it was not written at now. Um, but this one is really hard to untangle for me at this point. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. It makes me. Did you do you have any notes on the actual like like them interviews talks about talking about the song? Because I. Nope. OK, a, a little. Um. They said that they, this is the one where they were like, yeah, people were surprised when we wrote this one because they thought that we were an anti-war band. We, that's not what we were trying to talk about. This is a don't fuck with us song. But you can't call it just a don't fuck with us song if you're going to open it with America. Yeah. Like, again, you're, you're front-loading it there. Yeah. We know yeah. what it's about. <laughs> it makes me wonder if maybe they did it based on like not the idea of american pride like to in america today but like in what they thought about certain historical accounts or figures yeah i mean naming it don't tread on me again like way before what that means now yeah Um, yeah now now i i agree with the difficulty of untangling these things now today yeah. Musically, I thought the sound, the song, uh, the lead guitar sounds like a buzzsaw. It does. And it fits. It's pretty well. I do like the chord changes that they get into right before the chorus. It's like they do some ones that are not, it's like not the typical Metallica chord progression that I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. I actually didn't like Hammett's solo on this song. It sounded like it sounded that sounded kind of out of time. It just didn't. It, okay. Something about it didn't feel right to me. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Um. I thought the lead fills at the end of the song were great, though. There, there are these kind of like uncharacteristic to this point bends. I wouldn't call them yeah. bluesy. I wouldn't call the bends bluesy, but I would call his attack or his delivery in the song similar to the way somebody in blues or sometimes in rock like delivers a bend or like a little fill in the vocal or in the vocal gap. Yeah. It was like that. And that was, I get that. That was kind of cool. It was, it stood out to me cause I was like, Oh, I've, that, we haven't really gotten that up at this point. No, we will. We will go there eventually <laughs> with Metallica, yeah, but not, but not up until this point, <laughs> not until the, the later stuff. Um, um that's all i had on that one yeah same through the never comes in fast 
Yeah, I thought it was really funny that they basically wrote a fuck yeah science song like in the middle of this album. Because <laughs> that's that's what this song is. Yep. <laughs> um, the vocal bits on the twisting, turning through the never, the kind of like it starts really low and kind of comes up. Mm-hmm. was really fucking cool. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, I don't know. This song was fine yeah i didn't like dislike it but i also wouldn't rank it up there no i think it i think it was a nice bridge kind of similar to like holier than thou in that it's fast this song literally doesn't let up it's fast it it keeps hitting there aren't really any tempo drops or changes even when the song slows down a little bit yeah it's still fast um yeah but that was really all like other than yeah that was that was my big takeaway from that one yeah um nothing else matters i got yeah he wrote this song talking to his girlfriend which is sweet interesting but i also think that lyrically it's not my favorite (laughs) no no it's um and uh There's a bit in the lyrics that I really dislike. Oh yeah. Um yeah. Um I think it's in the second verse. He just starts it's like it ends in way, it ends in way, it ends in say. <laughs> and it just gets this like I I I kind of sound to me that I just like and he's putting some weird vocal inflection on it and it it just doesn't do it for me at all. Like actively annoying. <laughs> actively annoying in this capacity or actively annoying like it's always annoyed you? I think more in this capacity. Okay. This is also not a song I've really like gone out of my way to listen to. Yeah. This a song lot. for me, like it's always it's a song that I've always thought was simpler until now listening to it. I realized that there is actually a lot going on in this song. Yeah, it the guitar part starts very simply, but the rest of it. Yeah, they brought back that synthy guitar sound in the background, which I think blends yeah. really well in this. It's like just like super sustained. Yeah. Um. But they do that at the end in a way that I think ends the song nicely, but listening to it in this capacity, it's like somebody caught feedback, set their guitar on the guitar stand right where the feedback will continue, and then walked away. Yeah. And I like yeah. it it graded, it was grading because I latched mm. onto it and I couldn't not, like I couldn't walk away from it. <laughs> so okay. in yeah. in the song itself, it's good. As far as writing the song, it's good. As far as me like ripping this music apart, it's too much. Yeah, I get that. But it's good, and I appreciate it, and I wouldn't get rid of it if given the choice. Speaking speaking of ripping, the solo on this one's really good. It is. The solo on this one is very good. Also, um, there is a riff that is so far in the back of the mix that I don't ever pay any attention to it, but it is... Mm-hmm. the climb at the end of the chorus oh yeah there is a really chunky metal guitar climb that just yeah it blooms 
with a chord. There's a single note from that climb, a chord strum, and a drum hit all at the same time. And the bass is probably doing something, but nobody cares. And so... I care. <laughs> um, but no, like, everything comes together, and there's just that, like... Yeah. It, the way that it... The only thing I can do to describe it is call it a bloom. Like, everything blooms at just the right time that it's it's just fantastic it is just fantastic composition yeah um and there are also there are a lot of different guitar tones used on this recording that do different fills at different times and it's it adds a cool effect in that like it almost draws more attention to the fill because it's usually coming from a guitar tone that you hadn't heard mm -hmm. yet. Yeah. And so your ear kind of like hones in on it. Is that it for you on that one? The vocal harmonies are nice. I think the vocal yeah. harmonies are, are a nice way of filling out the fact that, like we talked about before, like Hetfield's voice tonality is lacking at times. And so if you fill it out with a harmony, it kind of fills those gaps. It yeah, that's true. I didn't notice it as badly on this song. I think because they kind of had him doing the harmonies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was all I have um, for Nothing Else Matters. I think lyrically is about as good as most of the songs that come out um, with themes like that. Uh, but the yeah. song itself is a well-composed song. Yeah. Um... Of Wolf and Men. So Halloween appropriate. Yeah, I wrote, now this is Metallica to me. This is um, Metallica. This I is metal. Like so this song is just they're... metal. I like it a lot when they're just writing about being werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I really do. Yeah, like the song is just, it's good. a great song. Um, I thought this is goofy. They're, there's one line in the song that I I love despite it being mm. like kind of goofy. I also kind of appreciate the cliche of it or like how if you're going to write a song about being a werewolf or becoming a werewolf, you have to say something like this. The call of the wild fear in your eyes. <laughs> it's later than you realized. Like, I don't understand what it is about werewolves, but they always screw up and forget that they're a werewolf until the last least opportune moment. Um, yeah, and freak somebody out. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, God, don't run. Yeah. And then oh, all no. of a sudden, they're not themselves anymore, and now they're trying to eat the person that they just told. You Well, I guess to they, they usually do tell them to run. They're like, get out of here. You can't see me like this. Yeah, but it's like usually when they're actively in the process of being a werewolf yeah and, you're and not that's where usually you should be running anyway but yeah so no this this song is thematically great metal it's good yeah yeah do you have any notes I, on it like I, i've got a few musically notes on it too but they did some really cool vocal stuff on the um anytime they say shapeshift in the chorus mm -hmm. and then there's the back to the meaning, like call and response in it that 
Yes, more of that, please. <laughs> yes. Um, I made similar notes. Like they did overdubs of like the really low vocals, like super yeah. low vocals. Yeah. Over Hetfield's more like normal bark. And yep. the two melding together was just great. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Maybe I'm, like, not... I'm probably just not thinking of it right now, but, like, I don't know. The production on this album, just in general, is great. And yeah. I don't know if they, like, really hit this standard again for a while. Yeah, I think it's just that they they really, like... They put an emphasis on production, not just on virtue, like virtuosity, virtuistic playing. Yeah, they're like they're all great musicians in their own right, and they can all play their asses off. Um, yeah, but like the the studio has tools that go that do other things too, and the studio itself mm-hmm. is a tool. And I think this time they really, really put that into effect. Yeah. I think that's a really good way of putting it, actually. Um, I know that's something that David Byrne talks about in some of his stuff, is like working with Brian Eno and realizing that the studio itself can kind of become an instrument if you do it right. Yeah. And I think that's cool. I like it when people do that. I don't know. Studio bands are still good bands. Yeah. Tame Impala rips. Yeah. But I, I think Metallica struck a good balance here. Like, they struck a balance in the way that I think Muse strikes a good balance, especially on, like, um, like mid-catalog Muse stuff, where they did yeah. a lot of studio stuff that you really can't repeat live. Right. But you don't need it. It just makes for a good album, but live, like, you can do some other stuff instead. Yeah, it adds, like, ear candy in the album Yeah, when you're listening that yeah. you probably don't need live. Exactly. Exactly. But in um, this song, things that you can replicate live, um, the breakdown of this song, I think, is really cool. There are a lot of like yeah. really nice volume swells and stuff. The guitars get like really like kind of whiny, howly, even, yeah. even while at the same time, Headfield is just galloping triplets. Oh my God. So well, which I mean, like triplets were a huge thing in earlier Metallica. Yep. Like that, they haven't done that much no. since then. Like, I say since then. Injustice for All didn't really have triplets that I remember. I'm sure there are some somewhere, but like that just kind of like galloping chug mm. is nowhere else on this album in that way. This is like it just has like a nice old Metallica chug to it. Yeah. This album is very chuggy, but not like in the same way. Yeah. And a thing that annoyed me in some older Metallica tracks was actually like this bounce back and forth that they would do between triplets and like straight feel. It was almost jarring at times. Like I, yeah, triplets, like either you're going to play Barracuda or you're going to play straight. Like 
<laughs> you're you're gonna play triplets for the feel of it, or you're gonna play straight, or you're playing of wolf and man where you have a breakdown where triplets make sense, and then you change the song back up and go into straight thematically yeah. as like a section. And that was a complaint that I have about early, early Metallica, mostly like kill em all kind of stuff. Um, but some, some of the lesser tracks on like ride the lightning, uh, they do this thing where the, they change the feel. And I feel like you shouldn't jerk the feel of a song around that much. It gets no weird. Yeah, it's very jarring. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, music, you know, it's like the Victor Wooten thing. You can train somebody through repetition with music. Yeah. Um, and when you're constantly not doing it, it's like off-putting in a bad way. In yep. A song. Yep. It's true. So, yeah. I thought that was yeah. a great track. Solid. Yeah. Uh, God that failed. Yeah. Um, this to you know the story with this one. I don't. I don't know the story it of this one. Sucks. I imagine um, it does suck. I mean, it it has very strong opinions. Yeah. Uh, Hetfield's mom had cancer and was a Christian scientist. Um, so she refused all treatment. A Christian scientist, like the the following Christian scientist, not like a Christian, yeah, dash scientist. Who was a scientist? Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. No, she was. It's very much a God will save me kind of thing, and that's where this song all comes from. That makes sense. Um, it does. <laughs> sounds very ten thousand days. Yeah. Yeah. Or so hurt. Or yeah. So many bands founded on fractured relationships with parents over religion. Yeah. Mm. Um which I mean, yeah, when you look at the pre chorus lyrics too of it feeds, it grows, mm -hmm. it clouds all that you will know. Like and it's like, oh, yeah, you were talking about cancer? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's sad. Um, It is. You can definitely tell he's, like, getting something out in that song, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's still hard, but it feels hard in a kind of different way than yeah. Metallica usually does. This song, yeah. to me, comes off very heavy. But not heavy, like chunky heavy. Metallica is usually like chunky heavy. This, on the mm -hmm. other hand, feels like it's lifting a weight. It's yeah, it's actually heavy in that regard. Um, it's yeah. funny because the bass on this song, the the bassy opening, um, mm -hmm. there is an Allison Chain song off of their 2013 album, "The Devil Put Dinosaurs Here." that starts like oh, yeah. when this song started i was like i know this song sort of i know Did this I, song sort of and it's albums? because there's an alice in chains it's not covered or anything but there's an alice in chains song called stone mm. that 
is about like moving a heavy weight that intros almost the same way. So this one intros with, I don't know if it's on the one, but it's like one, one, and then drops into the lower octave to hit the six. So it's like, dun, 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 dun. The Alice in Chains one is a bend to a drop, which is much more right. Alice in Chains. So it's like, but it's just a bass intro all right for like two bars and then the guitar comes in but it's kind of like this guitar how this guitar kind of it's like doing similar stuff to the bass and it's still pretty like stripped out just kind of like distorted gainy um but yeah, so that that's immediately what I gravitated to in feel. I was like, oh, okay. I, like, it's interesting that a song from, I don't know, 25, 30 years later has such mm-hmm. a similar feel to it, but it's not a bad feel. Yeah. Like, it, it suits the song. I mean, you can definitely, and you can definitely make a link between Alice in Chains and Metallica. Oh, clear. Clear links. <laughs> Not even like going through multiple things. No, it's just no, kind it's... of a line. <laughs> um, this song um, though, to me, like not just lyrically, but kind of in feel of like, I don't know. There was there was this thread of feel to it where this was like a like a religious master of puppets. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I like that description. It was like, cause like Master of Puppets is, is about manipulation, but this just took mm-hmm. it to the next level. Um, yeah. He's calling out something specific instead of, you know, yeah. kind of the general. Yep. And then the only other note that I had about the entire song was that at 350, mm-hmm. along with the normal riff, there's a sound effect that there are only two things I can think of that sound like this. And it's either like the shunk or like shunk of when you like drop a bag of coins, like, okay, a, yeah. like a money bag, but it yeah. hits in doubles. So it's like chunk chunk, but not that, mm. not that high pitched. So the other thing is like, Think of like old cash registers. You know how, okay, yeah. how it's like shukunk, ching, that happens in that succession, but like closer. So it's like chuk chuk ching. Forget the bell, but just the kick that you hear of like the cash register coming out. Yeah. That like kind of slide, kind of like heavy hit, but like you hear coins. That hits in the guitar riff. Huh. And it's really quiet in the mix, but it was a really interesting thing that stood out to me. And so it happens like three times. And then in the background, you hear, I think he says take, but it was like this weird, you know, sometimes like you, you set things in the back of music and it's there, but you don't really notice it. Maybe you notice it if they match the sound up with a visual in a music video or something. But other than that, it just sits in the back of the mix of a song to almost be like a little Easter eggy thing. That was kind of how it jumped out. Like I said, it's somewhere around 350. It's towards the end of the song. Um, 
and I just thought it was interesting because I heard I was listening to it and I was like I haven't heard that sound yet yeah yeah that's I don't have a lot for the song I I like it it's not particularly like one way or the other for me yeah <laughs> kind of getting that way that's kind of how I'm not gonna lie. I felt this album this album kind of peters out to me a little bit yeah I can agree not, with that it doesn't not in energy but at a certain point it's so sludgy yeah that it really just kind of blends at a certain this yeah this song feels like a song that had feel had like the band had to get out but it isn't i don't know it fits in an album but it's not a song that i'm going out of my way to listen to yeah yeah yeah, I even I like took a break and came back on these because I was like, maybe I'm just getting tired. And then even after coming back, I was like, I don't have much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my friend of misery was supposed to be the album instrumental. Okay. Every other album has had an instrumental. They've done yeah. has had an instrumental, and this was supposed to be it. And then they added lyrics to it interesting which is it one of the longer ones on here it is yeah i think it is one of the longer ones because it starts i mean it, it starts with a really mm. bassy intro it's got a catchy riff i mean this is one of the what i thought was one of the more like musically bassy songs yeah yeah i don't reverby clean background guitar i'm not gonna lie the bass on this album it didn't not stand out for me in the same way as like Dire Straits, but I think they get better bass stuff in other albums. Yeah, well, I mean, they they noticeably changed bass players, so there's that. Uh, right. Yeah. It, yeah, I, I mean, like, I think My Friend of Misery shows that Newstead can play bass. Yeah. There's some... Yeah, he can. This song had, I thought... There was like good interplay, you know, moments yes. where like no one is playing the same thing, but Eek. everything is blending really well. I also think that the bass solo gets like completely outshone by the fact that there's a double guitar solo right after it. Yeah. And yeah, that part is great. <laughs> I liked the volume, the guitar volume swells in the little bass breakdown bass solo, though. Yeah. Like it was, it was, it added nice ambiance without overshadowing <laughs> it too much. Um, but yeah, the, the double guitar solo was great. So, like, that's my thing that's like weird with the end of this album. It's like none of it's bad, but also. I don't know. The last like three songs I feel like aren't really my fate. Like they're the ones where I'm really not going to like listen to. Yeah, I can agree much. with that. I moving into the struggle within. I, I mean, we can come back to Friend yeah. of Misery, but I was just going to say the struggle within may may very well be my least favorite song on the whole album. I get that. I do. It's yeah, it it's if again kind of feels like one of their older songs to me. Yeah, but not in a good way 
not like they yeah they kind of like lost it a little yeah for me it my notes are are that i was like and here's where they hit the speed okay uh Mm -hmm. the tempo changes and the song fluctuates a lot which having listened to metallica's back catalog feels makes more sense normal for them and their thrashy like tempo changey days but it doesn't feel normal for this album and i was really glad they got away from it yeah there's like this weird jerky it's not like there are some nice tempo changes on this album there's some some well done tempo changes and then there's this (laughs) yeah and it's just not i just wasn't feeling it i could do without it i it was kind of cool to see that they were still shredding yeah Um, okay I'll give you that. I do think that was something that I kind of missed on this was like, they're still doing good guitar solos, but just by virtue of the fact that the songs are slower. Mm-hmm. It, and again, another debate I don't want to get into is whether it's harder to play slower or faster. I know it's harder to play slower, <laughs> but also it's more impressive sounding to me when a guitar solo is faster yeah i don't disagree there and like i mean it's energy i don't care if it's hard to play slow like okay yeah like it's it's just one of those things where fast stuff has its own energy and especially with a metal band that started out as just thrash metal you want some speed in what they do yeah yeah. You don't want everything to be nothing else matters. Right. And even that, like, I don't know. The at a certain point this I feel like the sludgy kind of just starts to blend. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that they did enough to really kind of differentiate them towards the end of this album. Yeah. Which is why I was like, oh, it's nice to hear something a little faster. Yeah. I can agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the album. It I mean, it's it was a it was a notable turning point for Metallica. Whether you like the direction they turned or not, uh, that's for other debate. But this yep. album stands on its own among the others. It really does. Like this album is very good. I can see. I can see where the problems start to come in. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like, I get why people kind of point to this one for, like, where things started to get weird. But also, this album kind of avoids a lot of the stuff that came after that I think people actually have problems with. It does. It does. And I I mean... There's stuff after this, like Death Magnetic, I thought was a good album. Yeah, Death Magnetic, I know they really were trying to get back to riffing. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember listening to that album at work quite a bit, and it was really good, so. Yeah. Yeah. I like Metallica when they're riffing. Yep. Yeah, they they write some real, real good riffs. So. Yeah. I thought this was a good album to dig into. This was fun. Yeah, for sure. 
Cool. Well, um, I don't know. Do you have an idea for our next album? I do. What are we doing? I have a weird pick. Yeah, I say it's Amen and Goodbye uh, from 2016. Amen like is goodbye from album. 2016. Um, yeah, and it's kind of, it's definitely an, int- it's definitely going to be a change of pace off Black Album. 